Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. This is Jessica Van, the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And I have in the studio with me today a former Reach guest that we are welcoming back for take two. Um, this is Tanya Benvenuto. Hi. Hi. Good to be back. We could not get enough of Tanya's expertise in just one episode, so we had to invite her back for part two. So as a refresher, Tanya is currently the Senior Director of Executive Operations in the Office of the CEO at Okta. And for for the interest of today's discussion, we're going to be talking about the role an EA to CEO plays in taking a company public. This is something that Tanya did um, early on in her years at Okta back in 2017. Tanya was at the center of it all literally ringing the bell next to CEO Todd McKinnon. Okta went public at $24 per share. And just to put that in perspective, Okta is currently being traded at around $225 a share. So not a bad return for those who happen to get in early on the action. In light of all of the IPO momentum and fervor that we're seeing Uh, Just in this year alone, there have been over 797 IPOs on the U.S. stock market. We thought that it would be an increasingly relevant topic for EAs to really understand all the intricacies that are involved in taking a company public and all the additional responsibilities that come with that. So we wanted to create an episode and invite Tanya on to really explore exactly what an executive assistant's role is when a company goes public. So um, once again, thank you. This is a big topic. And yeah, it I is. know it's, you kind of have to <laughs> dig into the archives of yep. your memory a little bit. This is going back a few years. Yep. So, um, so we're going to kind of reach into the past a little bit. But I think it's all super relevant. And as I said, it's, it really does... It's something that seems to be landing on more EA's plates right. these days. Right. And at the same time, it's super unfamiliar, right? right. Like, there's a lot to absorb in that. So um, I guess to, to start us off, thinking about what goes on behind the scenes before you get to that crescendo moment of ringing the bell on the exchange, um, tell us, like, on a very just practical basis, what are the additional responsibilities that you have to take on? What are the additional projects um, and I, even just like additional pressures that come with taking a company public. Yes. So f- for those of you who have not gone through an IPO, what happens inside a company is you know that it's coming, but you can't talk about it. You have no exact date. You just are waiting kind of to get the call. And so leading up to it, there's a ton of pressure, or there was on me, because I wanted to make sure that I made this, you know, as good as possible. I wanted to execute how Todd wanted it to go. Um, 
it was also my first IPO I went through. So I learned a lot throughout the process. Um, I had really great partners within Okta that helped guide me. Um, And so, you know, we had a ton of investor meetings, a ton of things to think through. I partnered with our CFO's EA at the time because there was no way I could do my job, which was, you know, a big job in itself, but then also planning for the IPO. And so I partnered with the CFO's assistant. She handled the majority of the investor meetings. There, you know, leading up, there were lots of investor meetings, board meetings. Um, we had to talk through how many people we're going to invite to ring the bell. Um, the roadshow leading up to the IPO. There's a ton of travel, logistics, coordinating all of that. But then, in addition to all of the work that needs to be done prior to going to New York. There were a lot of things that we wanted to do after, (laughs) you know, ringing the bell. And we wanted to make it really special for the employees. And so, you know, there are things such as security that we didn't have before. But we needed security in New York because Todd was bringing his family and just everything around the IPO, our team felt that it was appropriate. So had to hire security. Um, You know, we had a dinner that we planned for the people that were attending the ringing of the bell ceremony the night before. That included, you know, board members, investors. We chose Okta employees that had been with the firm five plus years So we only had 50 slots, so it's like, how do you narrow down who you invite and who you don't? So that was the best way that we thought, you know, we could go about it. For those that don't know, excuse me, for those those who don't know what a roadshow is, I know it's like standard vernacular when you're talking about going public, but can you kind of break down for the rest of us what that includes? It was about a week before we actually rung the bell and it's Todd so the CEO and then other executives so it was the CEO the CFO our investor relations person Um, not too many people but they hop on a private plane and basically jump from city to city and meet with a ton of different investors and so it's because they're hitting a couple cities sometimes in one day that's why the need for the private jet um but yeah, so it's a ton of meetings leading up to go time the night before you ring the bell. They have a meeting, another meeting, and that's when they decide on the pricing that it's going to go on the market for the next day. Wow. So can you speak to some of the additional pressures that you experienced as a result of being in this seat I think I put a lot of the pressure on myself, to be honest, just because I am a perfectionist. I wanted this vision that Todd had to come true. Um, and so a lot of it was really me putting the pressure on myself to to make it perfect for everyone that was involved. Um, but just, you know, I'm the pressure of being in a city that I wasn't familiar with, which, you know, New York. And I we had this dinner the night before and then the event, which... You go so early in the morning, there's a ton of press that's involved, you show up, you know, you ring the bell, then 
there's a ton more press, <laughs> and then um, all of the things that follow after. But I just thought that it was such a big, important day that I just put so much pressure on myself to make sure that I executed flawlessly. And thankfully, I had the assistance of the CFO assistant at the time. And so she was there to really partner with me and I could delegate. And and that was really helpful. But I would say the two of us, we were just pulled in all areas because we were the go-to people for all of these different people that we invited to New York. So, you know, our phones are ringing off the hook and we're responding to them and it's little things, but it's still taking time and your energy away from what you're focused on at that given time. Yeah. So <clears throat> in terms of the planning process, I mean, you touched on this um, in your in your first um, answer, which is that part of this is is kind of undefined, right? Like it, there's not there's target dates, but things can shift, right? Yeah. Schedules and yes. timelines can shift. Sometimes people get literally to the moment, I don't know if this happened in Octa and you definitely don't need to tell us, but there's sometimes there's moments where you get to the finish line and then you get it gets retracted for whatever reason <clears throat> because the climate isn't right. So I'm curious what the planning process for an IPO looks like and how far in advance does it really start, right? If you think about like, is this like a two month thing? Is this an 18 month thing? Like, what does that look like? And also knowing that the end date might shift. How do you plan around that? I think that it's kind of different for each company, but our general counsel and CFO and, you know, that team and IR team was pretty close to us on dates or timing. As soon as I knew that we were actually going to go public, I started planning. I'm like, I just want to make sure, again, that this is perfect. And so I started looking into different things. I started having conversations with different people within Okta. I've talked to people that went through IPOs on their own. Um, not EAs, but other executives, other you know management, just people that had were familiar with the IPO process because I wanted to understand as much as possible so that I could form this great experience for everyone. And so, you know, I my advice is start planning ASAP. If you know you're going public, just start getting familiar with restaurants in the area. Are you going to ring the bell on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange? You know, and they have different protocols for each exchange. And so, you know, you just want to become as familiar as possible. Start talking to your internal teams. Um, and you can only say so much but you can all what we did is we had a code name for the mm. IPO. And so we when we were emailing or talking to each other, we would use this code name. We always stayed compliant. We were very careful. We didn't communicate or share any news with anyone. So in that regards, it was hard to get some information from people. But a lot of the people that I got the information from, they were they were familiar with what was going on. Um, so I would just say start mapping out what the plan is. For me, I just sat down with Todd and I said, what's your vision? What do you want this to look like? What would make you feel like this was amazing? And once he told me that, I had a vision his vision <laughs> in mind, and I was able to start prepping 
for just that. Going back to what you said about having a code name, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that really underscores the point that so much of what you're doing when you're laboring and planning for this is completely confidential. And with the exception of a couple of key individuals and departments internally who are working in a kind of like low key yeah. on the on very much on the DL yes, kind of a exactly. way, right? Yeah. Um this really can't be broadcast. And of course like that's not it's not unfamiliar territory to right. you if you support a CEO. Pretty much everything you do, touch, yep. see, interact with is a, a confidential nature anyway. But I'm curious like how does that impact how you navigate in your role and even just like thinking about, you know, internal communications, external communications. I mean, the need for for utmost secrecy mm-hmm. is so important, but it also even extends into your personal life, right? I mean, 100%. you can't talk about that with your spouse, boyfriend, yep. whoever the case might be. Right. So I'm curious, like, how did you kind of navigate that and, and what types of you know, challenges did that present for you? And knowing that, you know, people are probably very curious about yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. You support the most important in the organi- person in the organization. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. looking at you and they're curious. Yep. How do you handle that? Well, as you said, the majority of this job is keeping things confidential. I mean, almost everything I do, I have to keep to myself. And a lot of what has gone on within Okta, I've had to keep to myself. And, you know, I don't talk to my husband about it because I just want to make sure that it never gets out. Not that I'm worried about him talking about it, but I'm ke- if I say I'm keeping something confidential, it's staying with me. Uh, yeah, like period. Martha Stewart. Hello. hello. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just I'm super paranoid when it comes to that type of thing. So what we did is and I'm sure other companies do this as well. We had a ton of training around it ahead of the IPO. So the employees didn't know that there was a date or anything like that, but we started preparing well in advance. And so we had to do all of the insider trading, you know, training, which was what really freaked me out. And then I got even more paranoid, you know, so I'm like, I'm just not going to (laughs) talk. And was that for, that was for everybody or just for the people that knew about the IPO? Every single employee at Okta went through the training ahead of time because we wanted to arm them with all of the tools that we could prior to go live date. Right. And so, yeah, we just did all of the training. We had all hands meetings where we took questions, answered questions, and of course the employees were trying to get a date or a time frame out, and we just kept it very high level, but we made sure that every employee was educated on what they can and can't do. Yeah. What do you think is most important to a CEO who's going through an IPO, and what specifically can you do as the assistant to that CEO to really help support the executive through that whole process and and really like that the pressure of that process right right so again i would say have a conversation with your ceo and for for me i had already a pretty close relationship with todd and so i was able to just in one of my one-on-ones with him i said okay what do you want this to look like what's important to you it's his big day like this is a big deal. And I wanted it to be super special. 
It was special to me. I mean, could you imagine? And then it's his company, so I really wanted to make it everything he dreamed of. And so I would say it's important to have a conversation with your CEO, find out, are you the person that's going to be as involved as I was through mine? Um, And if you are, then make sure that you just have a really good understanding as to how they want it to play out. And what was really important for Todd was that he was able to celebrate with his employees that got him there. And so I knew that we had to incorporate the employee experience as much as possible. We had to make them feel like the people that were at headquarters or in the different offices around the globe, we wanted to make sure that they felt as if they were a part of the actual ringing of the bell. And so we did. We made it happen. And after, you know, Todd was so appreciative, he, um, we all had a ball. I was so exhausted. (laughs) I was so (laughs) exhausted the day of, the night of. Um, But he said it was everything that he hoped for. And so, again, have the conversation, find out who's going to lead this charge In this case, it happened to be me. I didn't do it alone. I had a team. But I was the one closest to Todd that was hearing his vision. And then I just had to make sure that I executed properly. And I think that so there's kind of like there's the day of festivities, right? Um, And it's almost as you're speaking, I'm getting like vibes of wedding planning or something, right? Where it's like you dream of this moment and you only (laughs) get one shot. Ideally, knock, knock, you only get one shot and knock on wood. Um, but I'm also curious, like there's also the lead up, right? right. So there's there's the there's the day of, mm-hmm. but then there's also like the 18 months of prep yep. work that you put into it. Or I mean, sometimes it could be longer than that, right? Where you're kind of like you're budgeting for the marathon, not mm-hmm. the sprint. Right. So what about from that perspective? Like, what does a CEO need during that whole buildup? Because you know, on the one hand, they're doing all of this stuff to position the company, right? And there's a lot. I'm, I'm assuming that they've got to manifest in mm-hmm. terms of what the investors want to see, right. in terms of what Wall Street wants to yep. see before they can actually push this across the table. So, right. And again, nobody can know, right? right. So it's like, what, what, what is your role in that process, those maybe, let's say, year and a half leading up? Or what is that? Does that impact you in any way? Um, or just in, in terms of helping, helping him? Yeah, it didn't impact me that far in advance. Um, I would say right after we filed the S-1 is when things started picking up. We started preparing like right then, you know, and and so it was preparing for investor meetings, preparing for the big day, preparing for earnings that's going to follow you know, and so we, our company, Okta, is really great at preparing to, for everything we do. And so we got a head start. We started just making sure that everything was clearly outlined. Everyone knew what their role was in the IPO. You know, it. I would say three months before go time was when everything started to really get crazy. You touched on this a little bit about the fact that there's a lot of people involved here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
There's the IR team. Yep. There's the CFO. There's yep. the CFO's assistant. There's the investors. Um, there's the investment bankers. General curious, counsel. General the counsel. legal team. It's a lot a to lot. coordinate. A mm-hmm. lot. So I'm curious, you know, we talked about what an executive needs from you. I'm curious, what do you as an executive assistant need from those other participants? Communication. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, what is that? (laughs) Yeah. So from legal, IR, finance, you know, just communication, making sure that I understand or, you know, the EA understands exact timing. Or as close to it as we can get. And then for me, I really needed my team of other Okta employees, which consisted of, you know, an events team that was going to help me pull this off because I was in New York with Todd and the other employees and investors and board members ringing the bell. And so I had to make sure that I had a team here that was executing and making sure everything was in place and happening for when we got back because Todd made it very clear he didn't want a party on a different day. He wanted it the day that we rang the bell, which happened to be a Friday. And so we're on the East Coast and then our headquarters is in San Francisco on the West Coast. So we had to hop on a plane and get back here in time. And so I had to make sure that the team here in San Francisco understood what our vision was so that they could execute when I was in New York. And they did a wonderful job. And so it was really helpful. You know, I had the team of EAs that I managed at the time that were really helpful throughout the process. Then I had a marketing team, events team. There were a ton of people involved and we pulled it off. And then in all offices, we also had a celebration in every single office So this was a huge team effort. Mm -hmm. We made sure that every single office had, you know, the IPO T-shirt, you know, the swag and all that cool stuff. And then they were able to live stream and that we could make it that that experience for them or as close to it as we possibly could. So I, I really needed every single person to help me out and execute to make sure that Todd's vision came to fruition. For those EAs who are listening, whose companies have maybe just filed an S1, Mm -hmm. what advice or words of encouragement do you have for them? Well, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of work, (laughs) but it's going to be a once in a lifetime experience. Well, it was for me. You know, I had the opportunity to ring the bell with my peers. And that was an amazing experience. But as I've said several times already, my advice is to start planning as soon as you can. Start getting organized. Start thinking through things like a guest list. Um, have that conversation. For us, It I want to say it was probably a few weeks before we actually IPO'd. So we had some time to kind of go through the list and have conversations about it. But for those of you who know that it's coming, just start getting organized and prepared as soon as you can. 
I mean, a lot of people don't know what goes into this IPO, the roadshow. They don't know about, you know, that you're going to have to come up with a list of people. and Press. Then press. I mean, press, I press mean, appearances, uh, interviews. Uh, yeah. and, and I think, and you mentioned this, you touched on this, that you're also doing this in tandem right. with your regular job. Right. So you're basically absorbing like an additional job on right. top of your other job yep. that has to still keep happening yes. and moving. So it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it was important that Todd have his family there with him. And so I also had kind of that personal side of things. You know, I wanted to make it very special for them as well. And then you have the security. I mean, there's a lot of additional things that you didn't have on your plate before. But that's what happens in this job. We we just learn to adjust and pivot and make it happen. And that's exactly what mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. you know. And can you can you comment a little bit on the aftermath? Because I think that's something to think about as well, is that once you actually cross that finish line, you're effectively working in a completely different company. Yes, like, correct. Business as usual is is has a completely new definition yes. and and so I think it's tempting to think that it's all about that moment but it's it's really not that moment signals the beginning of a bunch of other changes and new priorities and Absolutely. new protocols and restrictions and, new restrictions and, and earnings yeah. calls yes, exactly. and all that kind of stuff so can you touch on that yeah, just a little bit Absolutely so the IPO for us we talked about it as if it was a high school graduation. So it's like, okay, you just graduated from high school. Now you're going on to college. And we're just really starting to get started here, you know. And so things completely changed. We now have quiet periods. You know, I had to adjust and I became very familiar with quiet period real quick where I would get requests for Todd to go on broadcasts or do press interviews. And I'm like, nope, quiet period. You cannot talk about anything during quiet period. And so I became very close with the IR team because I was constant uh, paranoid again. I I was constantly running by them. Is this okay? Because you can talk about some things, but not all things. Um, And then you have earnings. And again, at Okta, we make sure that we're always really prepared. And so leading up to earnings, we have a bunch of meetings that we're putting on the calendar to make sure that we're prepared. And then, you know, there's a grace period between when you announce earnings and the quiet period. And so for people who have stock, it's not like you have an open window all the time. There are only certain periods when you can actually trade the stock. And so we have an awesome team that makes sure that everyone is informed and knows, okay, the trading window's open. It's going to close on this day. Um, But following the IPO, you know, you can't sell any stock for those who are wondering for, for, I want to say about six months. And it's hard to not look at the stock price. It's so hard because it's like, oh, man, like this is totally official now. And you try not to look, but you look and you're like, OK, and you're calculating things in your head. And I would talk to Todd about it. And he's like, don't look at the stock price. And so I try not anyway. to. Yeah, yeah, I try not to and just stay focused on business. But 
you know, just it was business as usual with a lot more restrictions, you know, with the earnings. And, and again, I partnered with my EA to the CFO and IR team, and she would handle the earnings part of the job and scheduling all those prep meetings and everything leading up to earnings. And, you know, you have to have a certain conferencing system that you do on earnings. There's a lot that actually goes into it. It's not just a Zoom call. And so I was able to partner, and that was really helpful because, again, I had a big job of still managing a team, handling Todd, and all that comes with that. So life does change after. You get used to it really quickly. I forgot what it was like before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. we've been doing this for years now, and so it's second nature. Well, and, and just to speak from, I think, the perspective of a recruiting firm mm-hmm. and a recruiting agency, it's it's pretty common when companies are looking for, let's say, an executive assistant to support their CEO. Oftentimes, if they are either close to going public or have gone public, that experience is something that they that they make a, a pivot point in the search because it's it it's kind of like you've done it or you haven't done it. Right. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that are ushered in as a result of it. So it really is um, a really, I would say, significant kind of pinnacle for an EA's career. And there's a whole bunch of, of experience and, and respect right. for what that entails. So right. it, it really does become kind of a differentiator um, in terms of your, your own background and experience. Yeah. I think that you don't necessarily need an EA that has gone through an IPO prior. Again, it was the first IPO I went through. But if you don't have somebody that's experienced going through it, you need a team that is. I was fortunate to have an executive team. Several of them had already IPO'd. They were familiar with the process. So I could ask a ton of questions. Well, and that's why we hopefully offer a show like this right, right? right? for people that haven't necessarily done it yeah. but need to quickly get familiarized with what it entails. Right. It's a cheat sheet. This mm-hmm. is like the Cliff Notes version, yep, right? For so sure. um, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think it has to be a prerequisite. I think the prerequisites are confidentiality, yes. discretion, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to support at a very, very high level, crazy, astute attention to detail, organizational skills, like blah, 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 blah. Those are the, those are the non-negotiables. Yeah. And partner. You have to partner with other people. There's no way I could have done it by myself. I'm one person. I couldn't have been in so many different places, talking to so many different people. And so that was super instrumental. So normally I would ask you who you would choose to support and why. That's like our standard wrap-up question, but you've already answered it because this is your second podcast with us. So unless that (laughs) answer is dramatically changed. So I guess instead of asking you that, I would just ask you, you know, apart from what we've already talked about, you know, the kind of the the career development and the challenge, um, is there anything else that really stands out to you that you benefited from as a result? Like things that, you know, maybe you never would have expected would have come your way, but that as a result of going through this, um, 
you know, you got to experience or, or ways in which you as a professional evolved as a result of going through this experience? I grew tremendously just, I would say, not only through the IPO process, but after as well, after you have a couple earning calls, you know, under your belt, now you're like feeling like a pro, you know, you know what what you can and can't talk about during the quiet periods. You're feeling a little bit more comfortable because now you've experienced it. And I mean, I forgot what it's like to operate <laughs> pre-IPO, but I, I'm, again, so fortunate for the team at Okta and everything that I've learned along the way. And I hope that this has been helpful for others as well, because it's such a cool experience. Not only the ringing of the bell, just the knowledge that you gain along the way, the people you meet, you know, being able to have conversations with some of the board members and investors um, that I wouldn't normally have a conversation with in the Mm -hmm. office you know it's meeting to meeting versus we had a dinner the night before the IPO and we were able to all sit down and talk and form relationships and so that was a cool experience Um, and just living through that whole day reliving it with people that were there has been really special as well and I remember when we were ringing the bell Um, It was right before or right after, and Todd was just kind of walked off by himself and was looking out the window, and I kind of put myself in his shoes for a moment, and I let him have his time, and then I was like, this is so cool, isn't it? Like, this is crazy. It's surreal. It's surreal, and like, we walked outside and took pictures in Times Square. I'm like, look, Todd, like... Our name yeah. is up there. And we just kind of had a, well, I had a moment. I don't know if he did, but I was like, this shit is crazy. <laughs> so much of what you've told me today, for some reason, reminds me of a wedding. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but I remember somebody gave me some really good advice before my wedding. And they basically said, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in this and that. And da, 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 da. They go, but at one point, if you can, try to just step back. Yep. Similar to what Todd yeah. did when you yep. saw him gazing out the yes. window at the skyscrapers. Just t- step back and kind of get almost like kind of have like a little bit of an out of body yeah. moment. And just appreciate like, wow, like all these people have come together in support of you, in support of your future out of love and appreciation because they're part of this or want to be part of this and just take a moment to like bask in that and don't let that moment pass you by and it it reminds me of a wedding yeah and what you just said about Todd having his his very private moment but I can only imagine like what what that must feel like for for him and for Freddie and for all the people that were so instrumental and let's not forget your lovely supportive husband who called you and said, you can go buy, oh, yeah. <laughs> go, buy well, go buy a, a souvenir. <laughs> yeah. On Fifth Avenue, yeah, I and sure did. Souvenirs for Tanya do not mean magnets, by the way. <laughs> sure don't. <laughs> I went right to Saks on Fifth Avenue. Well, I always love having you as our guest. I'm not promising that this is the last time we're okay. going to have you as our guest. <laughs> There may be a third episode, but um, this is so great. I really, really, really appreciate you stepping up to tackle this topic. And I know 
that it is definitely a hot one for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yep. So thank you for sharing You're very your experiences welcome. with us. Of course. Anytime. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.